0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call, quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
2: This crowd rises to its feet. But slammed it home. Garland left wing, free ball. Perfect! Garland of the lane, locked The only pop! And
3: Allen blocked the shot at the rim. How? Oh, with the left hand and a foul. Welcome to the Chase Down podcast, part of the Cast Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com. The NBA playoffs are coming up so fast. It is so much fun to watch the play-in and not be part of it. That That is a big-time improvement from this time last year, uh, looking at the anxiety, the the weird things that can happen in one game. But we got a much more exciting matchup to talk about, the matchup of the first round of the NBA playoffs. And joining me today to discuss it is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing quite well Justin. I'm I'm feeling the feeling the fever. Um uh you know I've been just playing Pitbull's uh uh Timber playoff remix over and over, <laughs> and, over and over again to get ready. Uh it's time baby. It is time. I'm feeling great. Nah, you, you have to play it. It just goes in a loop in my head. And and joining us today, I am
3: very excited for our guest today, Carter, because obviously we can't do a Knicks cast preview without a little bit of help. We need to bring in the big guns, and we are bringing them in from Knicks Film School. Joining us today is both Andrew Claudio and Jonathan Macri. Boys,
1: how you doing? How you feeling? Welcome back, Andrew. Thank you for having me, and thank you for welcoming the face and the voice and the dean of Nick's Film School as well. Uh, yeah, it's going down. We're yelling timber over here in New York <laughs> at the moment. Team
2: by team, round by round. End of the mm. night, it's going down.
1: <laughs> Classic,
3: uh, yeah. John, I, I actually spent today listening to the last two episodes of Nick Film School. Uh, you guys did a great job, or you did a great job, I should say. Uh, Fred Katz was a lot of fun, and, and I enjoyed the one with Benji as well. I would recommend all Caz fans listening to this to go back and listen, because I thought, you know... Great level-headed uh, discussion about what what this series can be. Some of the kind of points of emphasis, ranking players. I enjoyed as well, even though not enough love for my guy Karis Sliver. Uh, I was a little upset at that, but uh, I thought overall just a terrific job. And you guys do a terrific job in general at Knicks Film School, which is why
0: we had to have you on for this occasion. Thank you. I, I'm. Uh, I thought this was just going to be all reflecting back on the mid '90s, talking to Mark Price, uh, Tyrone Hill. <laughs> Hot Rod Williams. Um, there were some. Those were. Those were some battles, right? Back in yeah. the, back in the day. I, I I know. I remember those. Andrew may be a little bit too young. Well, I, I mean, speaking of reflecting back when, when uh, Andrew DM'd
3: the group DM that we have of the four of us, the last message was me floating and Andre Drummond for Frankie Smokes trade. Look how far we've come. Look at us. Who'd oh, have man. thought?
1: <laughs> Quite literally started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah, we're here. indeed.
3: Uh, <laughs> that uh, that trade deadline was a lot of fun, but this is a much, much better place to start off. But before we start off with, with the actual fun stuff, we'll just give a brief update on Julius Randall. I saw today, Dib said that he practiced once again, uh but no contact. Um it did seem though. Uh and Jonathan maybe you can uh speak to this. Uh when when Fred was talking, just Randall's ability to play through pain and, and his willingness to, to tough things out. Do do you expect Julius Randall to play game 1 cuz I I I'm at the mindset of, especially with a little bit of a break between Saturday and Tuesday, I kind of expect Randall very early in the series, but game
0: one seems to be the the one that's up in the air. I don't expect to see him in game one. Um, I mean, it's it's difficult to talk about with any real, um, you know, ability to, to reflect back on something legitimate because this is a guy who doesn't get hurt. So it's not like we have anything to judge this recent injury against. I mean, the only significant injury the guy suffered in his career is when he broke his leg in the first game he ever played. Um, since then, he's been, you know, a, a picture of health, um, you know, but he is the sort of guy that like when he went down with the injury, that is going to keep him out for whatever it's going to be a couple weeks, weeks. Um, he refused to leave the game initially. He, he stayed in, shot the free throws, you know, that he, he's a tough guy. I mean, he's absolutely a tough guy, but. I think um, this organization for as much as Thibodeau has a rep of like, you know, I don't care if there's a cast on his leg, get him out there. They've been pretty, pretty responsible. Now this is the playoffs, different animal, but you know, I think they'll, they'll judge it. And uh, they've had some big games this year that Jalen Brunson certainly has sat out. So I don't think it's crazy to think that, that Randall's going to sit out game one, especially with, as you said, two, two days off between one and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, who do you guys kind of anticipate it If, Randall doesn't go for game one. Who who do you think
3: would start in his pl- place? And do you think that they would play starters minutes? Uh, or is Tibbs going to, you know, kind of have a nominal starter and, and maybe rely
1: on, on a veteran like Josh Hart down the stretch? Andrew, you want to take it? It's got to be OB Toppin' to start, at least. Yeah. And that's where, look, I... I admired the last four games of the regular season in which Obi got some legitimate run and we got to him do more than just stand in the corner. Um, I do think there's an offensive ceiling that I I just I don't know of or don't really know what to fully make of it yet. I don't know if it's necessarily going to matter here in a playoff series Uh, as far as the minutes are concerned. I don't want it's, to... It's disrespectful to say he's the Keith Bogans or Alfred Payton because I don't think he's going to play like 12 minutes and then bounce. But I think you're going to see him at the beginning of the first quarter and the beginning of the third quarter. And then Josh Hart is really your backup four. There's an R.J. Barrett question because there's always an R.J. Barrett question and seeing what the Knicks are going to do potentially to play him at the four in some minutes. Uh, but that's kind of how they'll they'll go about it in trying to find other ways to really sh- take advantage of what their strength has been. And it's really being beasts on the glass. And this just it's just not Obi's forte. So I could see really being Josh Hart's the backup for, but also the closing for mm-hmm. as a result. Yeah. I mean, that small ball lineup was part
2: of the, you know, part of what Tibbs closed with in the last game and, you know, yielded good results. So you got to imagine kind of no matter who starts, Um, I don't think Obi's finishing, even if Obi has an awesome game, but like, I do think there is a role for a guy like Obi Toppin to play in this series. Like we talked about it a little bit on the last spot, Andrew, but like, he's one of the only dudes who gets a ton of threes up. Like, I I don't think I think it was against the Pacers, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, between uh, Obi, Jalen and Grimes, they took like 36 threes. Or something like that. Like, I just feel like that's got to be such an important part of this next game plan if they're going to make hay on offense.
1: That's honestly the biggest takeaway I had from these four games of high usage Obi. It's not necessarily that this could have been him all year. It's like, oh, he's got his confidence back. He's got his three-point shot back. I expected a plan of the Cavaliers to be, well, we'll leave Obi open. And if he's going into this series a little more confident in his three-point shot, that maybe a weapon rather than a weakness you know and you you want to talk about playing with
0: house money that's that's not the right term for what i'm about to say but i can't think of a better one um i'm not, i want to keep the focus on the series but like there's a very good chance obi Toppin is is not going to be on the knicks next year you know mm. um i mean his name is going to be floated this summer i mean they they spoke with you mentioned the pacers funny enough they talk with the pacers about obi at the trade deadline they couldn't work out a deal Um, he's extension eligible. Uh, so I I wonder if like going into the series, Obi is like, listen, I'm, I'm going to play my game. I'm going to let it fly if I'm open because, and here's the thing though, he's not going against any game plan because if you've listened to Tom, whatever all year, his mantra, he has many mantras. One of them is (laughs) if you're open, shoot the ball. And I, if we're going to, you know, as we get into the weeds of the series, um, the Knicks are not going to have a chance in this series if they're decent three point shooters, don't shoot it when they're open. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and I, I do think it, it's obviously a luxury to be able to close with Josh Hart, too, because I, I think, uh, as you guys have noted, and we've noted as well, like the biggest strength, or one of the biggest strengths that the Knicks have is, is their ability to offensive rebound. So the fact that you can kind of go small, you can stretch out the Cavs defense a little bit while not really losing a whole lot uh, in terms of rebounding because Josh Hart is just nope. so good on that end. That's That's a really nice kind of, uh option to go to. And I almost wonder how quickly Tibbs is going to go to that option because if they are starting Jalen Brunson RJ Barrett and it will be top and I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but personally, like I, I feel like that defensively is something that the Cavs might be able to exploit. And especially early in the series, like in game one, if those three are out there on the court at the same time. That's a a decent enough situation for the Cavs to get on start
0: this series on the right foot offensively. You're being kind. It's it's the all you could eat buffet. It's like, <laughs> you know, here take your take two plates, take three plates. Um no, I mean I'm, look, that's look, Tibbs gets a lot of a lot of gruff. Um I was told I can't I can't curse on this so I'm going to try very hard not to do so. Uh he gets a lot of stuff from fans uh about, you know, his his ways I think game planning wise, he he is knowing that he's going to go in with the starting lineup with, let's call it two sub subpar defenders or two, two defenders you could take advantage of. And then RJ is kind of a a mixed bag. I'm going to be generous. Um, I I think he'll have something, you know, planned out at the same time. Like, you know what Donovan's going to do. He's like, where's Obi bring him up into the pick and roll. You know, it's like, that's, that's not hard.
2: Uh, So yeah, I I wonder the same thing. Hmm. I, I, this isn't on the rundown, so sorry, Justin. Justin does all the work, and then I just I just ruin it. But I, something I've been wondering about with this next team is every every playoffs, you know. Typically, we see a player, a role player on a team, just kind of it's just immediately apparent this isn't their series, and they're not, and and the coach has to yank them. Uh, you know, we saw that in the play in with Isaac Okoro where. Uh, last year, where Okoro's jumper just wasn't ready, and JB said, "I don't have time to let you work through this. You're, you're out, and I'm going to play other people uh, uh, for, for the for the rest of until you know until this thing ends." Is you, what player on the Knicks do you think could be that player? I want to hear Andrew's answer. So I, I know key... what John's thinking.
1: Also well, but... like the key question is, what do you mean by role player? Because could the is the role player? The number, former number three pick in the draft, who started every <laughs> game this season, or is there other options? Because I think they'd go that nuclear with him. I do not to the point where he's like pulled from the rotation completely, mm-hmm. but RJ will have these first halves where because he's not defending and also 0 for nine and one or one of eight and oh of six from three, that it's like okay, we need you to turn it around in the second half. But the reason we're either tied or losing by double digits in the first half is because teams knew to let you shoot. And your inability to be effective on offense has become a weakness. I don't think they're going to give him a chance to figure it out in the second half anymore. So my hope is that, A, he doesn't have that first half and he's actually effective in this series. But my 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 curiosity is because they have so many options at wing, because of how Emmanuel quickly has played this season, because of what... Josh Hart has been since February tenth because of what Quentin Grimes has been for the last three weeks. If the Knicks just kind of pull the plug and go with what they the other more effective options that they have in the the second half. So and that's the funny part. I'm not worried about literally anybody else. Like to Julius to an extent because of what happened two years ago against Atlanta. I'm really not worried about anybody else. Deuce McBride has we've seen six minute stints of him. He's there to play defense. And if he's hitting his shot, he'll play more defense. But John, I don't know about you, but it's 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 an RJ question. And it's well, really only an RJ question. It's an RJ question and it's a Julius
0: question because and and Benji nailed this on our pod the other night. If Julius is in there and gives you the secondary creator, and and obviously Brunson's gonna be in there, um, and you know, for the majority of the game, one of those certainly one of those guys is always gonna be on the floor, and for a lot of the game, both of those guys are gonna be on the floor, then RJ's ability to initiate becomes much less important. And the abilities of your quicklies and your grimes and your, and your Josh hearts of the world become much more important. Um, I agree with Andrew. I don't think I see anything in this series that would be as drastic as him being like benched altogether. But could I see this series going in a direction where he plays under 20 minutes in a game or two? Like, yeah, that's absolutely on the table. Um,
2: just real quick on the Obi thing, because he's the only other possible answer. For I was this. about to say, I feel like I, you guys are maybe not weighing the OB possibility he, enough, because if he's if he gets run off, the if the starters are getting run off the floor, like he, I, I doubt Tibbs will continue. Yeah, well, so it's weird because, again, the Randall uncertainty is out there.
0: If we assume that Randall is there, is back at the very least by game three, let's assume that he's back. Well, there's around three.
2: 46 off days before game three. I just <laughs> exactly. checked the schedule.
0: So I'm, I'm assuming we be back by game two. Let's assume he's back. Worst case scenario by game three. I think no matter how badly game one goes, I would be very surprised. Assuming Randall is out for game two, if he did not start the game, start the game at the very least with OB at, at the four. But moving forward in the series after Randall comes back, knock on wood, um, your minutes with Obi are going to be, I would think, I would guess, if it goes poorly in the first couple games, if they're really targeting him on defense, I would think those minutes are only going to be when Donovan Mitchell is off the floor. And I think that they will keep putting him out there because if it's again, if it's one thing that Tibbs does kind of like to do, he likes to keep some semblance of his usual order. And again, I know it's the playoffs. Exchange in the playoffs. We saw Alfred Payton get benched a couple years ago after he we went with him for reasons known only to him for the entire season. Um, So it's not like it can't happen, but it, I I would, I would say it would be more like later in the series, you're going to see maybe Obi five minutes in a first half, maybe doesn't get off the bench in the second half hmm. type of thing. That would be where I would see it go. If, if at all.
3: Yeah, that, that makes sense. And to some extent, it's the double-edged sword of having depth, right? And I would mm. certainly prefer to have that problem. Uh, I think uh, depth is the, one of the next many strengths in, in this series. Uh, but when you do have a lot of depth and you have guys that necessarily haven't really like solidified their spot in the rotation and they don't have a lot of playoff experience, you can kind of be put, feeling that pressure, right? Like, I'm looking over my shoulder every time I make a bit of a mistake. And that's going to be a really interesting thing for guys like RJ, uh, Obi... Uh, Quinton Grimes in his first playoff series and then on the Cavs side that probably won't be the case with the starters they know that they're going to be playing but outside of that w- whether it's Dean Wade, Jetty Osman, uh, Lamar Stevens if he gets in, Ricky Rube well uh, Ricky ha- has experience but you know what I mean like the the guys that don't necessarily have as solidified a, of a role I can see the the depth of the Knicks kind of Forcing them to look over their shoulder just a little bit, knowing that hey, there are other like viable options that Tibbs can go to.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you know, the the team has been interesting this year in that they're once they made the trade for Josh Hart, in theory. It was a recipe for disaster because you had Hart coming in, who you knew from the day he was acquired, he was going to be closing every game. And he has, I think, Andrew, correct me for a moment. He's closed every game that he's
1: he's been in? Every game he's been available for. Yes. Every
0: game he's been available for. Okay. um, So that leaves with Brunson and Randall healthy, and it hasn't been maybe as big of an issue because one or both, w- one of those guys has been hurt here and there, most recently, Randall, before that, Brunson. You have in the other three, spot, three guys for one spot, As Andrew alluded to before, former number three pick in the draft, former face of the franchise, averaged 24 a game for three and a half months last season in R.J. Barrett. You have the leader or co-leader, whatever you want to say, for six men of the year in Emmanuel Quickly. And then uh, ho-hum Quentin Grimes, all he's done this season is just get better and better and better to the point where that dude's made more three-pointers than anybody in basketball except uh, Klay Thompson over the last, I think, three weeks of the season. Um, he is absolutely scorching right now, and he offers you so much consistency on both ends of the floor. That's a I, again. I, I think it's a recipe for, for disaster. And now I'm going to be hokey hokey talking head guy. I think there really is something special about this team where there there is a genuine selflessness, and I think, at the very least, in the case of Grimes, and as odd as it is to say Hart because he's, he's an expiring contract. I think these guys are in it for the long haul quickly. the one guy I wonder about because there were the trade mo- rumors earlier this year. And you, you wonder, is he, does he wonder like, are his days here numbered? I, I hope not. We, we all love mm-hmm. quickly and we don't have to go anywhere, but I, I, I think it's, it's something where I'm not worried about, um, any issues arising and, and the depth being a, a purely positive quality. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Matt? Just to, to double down on that, the, the Quentin Grimes love, um, the, the only stat I pulled up for him for this was in the last 19 games, which is March 1st, until now he's shooting 45% on three on seven attempts, which the volume has continued to go up. And as a result, the, the percentage has continued to go up. Um, it's why the, the uniqueness of the question you asked Carter was like, what role player? Are you worried about like, yes, the OB is technically a role player at the end of the day, but I've seen Tibbs like play him nine minutes and it just be part of the strategy. Yeah. I could see that being the thing they do. The The rest of the role players outside of RJ, I just I have so much confidence in them at the moment yeah. to speak to John's point about like how like, quote unquote, special all of this is. They've just all gotten better and better. Any hint of adversity they've faced, they've met with a winning streak almost every time. So I'm curious. <laughs> if, Literally, uh, they just had a huge like this moment in Orlando where Emmanuel quickly and, and Julius Randall got in each other's faces. Right. Um, what happened after that was a five game winning streak to clinch a playoff berth. So, yeah, I'm I'm very high on this team, at least the role players on this team going forward i am as well and apparently so is that autoplay ad was that you Carter? i was wondering what that was it wasn't me
2: no oh, it's it's uh yeah i don't know where it came from so i i got, I I got hope a homework me. to do
1: i really <laughs> hope it wasn't me either. that's on me <laughs> i didn't know that how it could go from me so. you know what we'll we'll
3: fix it in post baby don't you, you worry go. about it sorry oh, guys about that. i i i have actually been pretty surprised like Listening to a lot of preview content listening to national media talk about it Obviously there's going to be animosity uh, among player avatar Twitter. Uh, they're, They're going to go at each other but there seems to be like a lot of mutual respect. And I, I like, I like this Knicks team. And, and I don't know if that's going to be the case after this series. Uh, nothing mm. like seven games to, to change that. And for guys to, to grind your gears a little bit, but <laughs> I like, I, I like a lot of these guys they have. And obviously the, the support that they get from the bench has been phenomenal all year. It's been as good as the support we get from our sponsor, zoom support for this podcast. And the following message comes from zoom half a million businesses connect <laughs> using zoom, a single platform for phone chat, Workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects.
2: Carter, well how's done, that Justin. for our segue? Thank you. Well done. I <laughs> was special, by the way.
3: Yes, I appreciate. Really... You know, we 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 haven't had a pod for a few days, and wasn't sure if I was going to be a little rusty. Came through pretty nice. Well, you weren't but... thrilled with
2: your last one, if I recall. So I wasn't. Know, it's, it, I, w- I want. Good to see you knock off the rust and uh, and show that you've got that champion DNA. And speaking of rust, both the Knicks and Cavs will
3: be coming off a bit of a layoff before this game one. They're going to have a lot of time. Basically, uh, there's the opportunity for these teams to have like a mini training camp going into the series. Are you guys concerned that there is going to be a little rust? Because I I can see a path to game one looking a little bit sloppy with neither of these teams really playing a meaningful basketball game in quite some time.
0: I'm not uh, it's not, so, I'll admit, it's not something I've spent a ton of time thinking about because the focus has been so much on Julius needing the time to recover. So I haven't thought of potential downsides to the rest. I also think, um, Jalen Brunson, as I'm sure you guys know, has been dealing with like a little bit of a hand thing. I, I don't think it's serious. I think if they needed to play him at the end of the season, they would have played him. But I guess from my point of view, I don't even know if it's as much physically as it is mentally and, and maybe like emotionally or whatever, this team for really the, the, I mean, for like 77, 78 games, it, we like, if we felt it as a fan base, at least, and you always, you always hear that, like the players, like it gets more gets made of it or, or we think more of it as, as on the fan side than the players do in the locker room to the players. It's like, look, let move on to the next game. But it has felt in Knicksland Like it's been like living on edge. For for so even with the winning streaks, because it seems like there's always a different pitfall, whether it's Brunson going down with an injury, or Mitchell Robinson going down with an injury or, you know, we're, we're losing a grip on on a playoff spot or all these different things. I, and I I I have to think maybe the time to just settle down has been a, a positive. I, I again, I'm speaking out of my rear end. I don't know that for a fact, but that's that's the only
2: response I would have to that question. Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned that. Because I I think the Cavs are also cherishing it a little bit. Um, You know, I kind of got the impression, just you know, reading between the lines with some post-game comments, that like this, like, you know, this stress to get to the playoffs to lock up home court, uh, I think was kind of wearing on the guys. Like they were playing, especially after a rough January. I think, you know, they they kind of locked into you know, quote unquote, like pre-playoff mode a little earlier than they meant to. Um, especially with the East being as bananas it is as it is, you kind of and they were still chasing the three at the time, so I, I think they kind of needed the rest. I think they had some players that ultimately needed uh, some R and R themselves, like Isaac Okoro is still dealing with that uh, reported brown, bone bruise. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, um, yeah, you know, he still has the lingering finger issue. Uh, Jared Allen had the uh, strained groin, so like there's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of time for just folks to rest up from some of this, these soft tissue uh injuries as well and then ultimately i just think like i don't know if people might call it rust but i kind of suspect the first quarter is going to be hideous um (laughs) i I think so too because because whether it's rusty or not uh there's just so many dudes for whom this is new and i think dude i think players are going to be jacked up um playing Mm. maybe 15 percent faster uh than you thought because i think a lot of Cavs fans including myself before uh, you know, smart people like Andrew and other Knicks fans kind of educated us. Uh, th- kind of thought that the Knicks had a little bit more experience in the postseason than they do. You know, this is a, a wildly young team. Uh, yeah. Julius Randle, despite having the face of a 33-year-old, uh, <laughs> is uh, is only 28. 28 uh,
1: years
2: old, yeah. And, and I believe he's only got one or two series under his belt. So for the most part, like... This next team really hasn't one. been just, just the one. OK, yeah, um, like this Knicks team hasn't had a lot of the core members of the rotation get a ton of playoff
1: reps like these teams are not terribly dissimilar on that front. Carter, you know who has the most playoff experience in the current rotation? I think I'm right on this, right, John? It's Jalen Brunson who went to the conference finals last year. I think it's court- right to me. In the current rotation, the, the only question
0: I'm wondering is if you add up the playoff experience for every other member on the roster, does it add up to the amount of playoff games that Jalen Brunson has played in? And I, uh, I could, if you well, want so, to filibuster for a minute, I'll look it up. Well, so yeah.
1: the 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 curious part about are we counting Derrick Rose as part of the roster then? No, rotation, mean, no. just rotation, rotation. right? Yeah. So if you again, if you go to the rotation, Derrick Rose can tell all these kids. About the tales of the battles against the Cavs and the battles against the the Heat in the early 2010s, Evan Fournier can give some first round playoff loss uh, yeah. stories. D- Derrick um, Rose can talk about stealing
3: Game One in Cleveland, even yes. eh, back in 2015. Yeah, there you it, go. It really you know this funny. very
1: well. <laughs> it,
3: it's I, that was actually the last time I attended a, or oh, that was my first time attending a playoff game. Um, but uh, like outside of Mitchell and Brunson, like it's pretty much a blank slate when it comes to playoff experience. Like Jared Allen and, and Karis LeVert, I think both have nine games of playoff experience. RJ and Randall have five each. And like outside of that, it's an unknown. And this, th- these teams really are the Spider-Man meme in a lot of ways. And it, it's interesting too, because while there's unknowns in how these guys are going to have their games translate to the playoffs, there's also just an unknown of what this series is going to look like. Cause the Cavs, only had one game with their starting lineup against the Knicks, and in that game, the Knicks were missing Mitchell Robinson, who is a very important part. He's going to be one of those key X factors, someone that can get those second possessions, and, and obviously is uh, a force on the interior
2: as well. So, yeah, we, can I quickly, can I quickly uh, do a quick callback to that episode of Knicks Film School with Fred Katz? Yes, yes. absolutely. I think y'all sure. are ranking Robinson too low on the importance rankings. Really, really? I, feel, I feel like he's very important because I think he's one of your higher ceiling players when when he's when he's really impacting the game and like like and Andrew, you kind of brought, mentioned it when you were on with us uh, last week was like if he's at his ceiling as a player and like you know around the same performance as Jared Allen, like that's really really important. Like yeah. if that's a draw this series looks a lot different than if the Cavs have a clear advantage at the five. So, uh, so first of all, just to to wrap up the point
0: on the playoff games, Brunson has 25 playoff games under his belt. Every other rotation, Nick could um, add it all up is 22 and I'm counting two 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 <laughs> rotate two, two games where Hardenstein was not a rotation player. Um, that he played uh, at some point earlier in his career um, regarding Mitchell Robinson. I, I hear that argument and I and the, the point that I've I've been trying to make here and there is that for as much as Isaiah Hartenstein has been the better of the two centers over certainly the last month, and I think there's there's an argument that it could go even further back than that, and and he may be the better center for this series for a variety of little minutiae reasons. Um when Mitchell Robinson is on. And I think that's what you're really getting at here. When Mitchell Robinson is on and Mitch Robinson is like he is he is feeling himself and he is in his all of his social media glory, the whole thing. <laughs> you can't really stop that, dude. You can't keep him off the offensive glass. You certainly can't do anything around the rim if he's in there. And perhaps most uh, destructively, I'll say. He can really, really, really damage your pick and roll game if on defense when he's on defense and you're and you're trying to execute pick and rolls on the offensive end of the floor. The reason why i I am hesitant with that very last part is the the further up to the level you bring Mitch, I think the least the less effective he is. And when you have a guy like Donovan Mitchell who could pull up from, you know, whatever whatever zip code you want to reference um, in the greater Cleveland area, like. I I just wonder how how much they're going to be able to rely on him versus Hardenstein is a little bit better in in that sort of coverage. That's the only that's the only pushback that I would have. But Mitch yeah. is also awesome.
3: that actually transitions really well to my like first real kind of tactical question, which is what do you kind of expect the Knicks to try to take away to to start this series? Because I was I actually had it in my mind that we'd actually see a fair amount of drop. From the Knicks, and obviously that would be more suited to what Mitchell Robinson can do. Just kind of daring Darius Garland to maybe pull up and take those shots and take Mobley and Allen out of the game. Like, what what do you expect the kind of defensive philosophy and what they'd be trying to take away from the Cavs to be in that first game?
0: You know, so I'm gonna my my I'm gonna reference my my Lord and Savior Tom Thibodeau um, <laughs> when you. When you guard when you have to play great players, uh you know, great players require great like special attention. He has a he has a certain phrase. But what well, I'm I'm mixing, I'm messing up that phrase, but the phrase that I know I will not mess up is you guard great players with your team. And he will have a plan. Like I don't think he's going to let Donovan Mitchell beat them in the way that he utterly destroyed them in the first quarter. Now, I do think it was notable that after Donovan had, what was it, 31 in the first half? He only got uh, 12 in the second half in that game, and that was a game he was absolutely feeling it. And they did switch some things up. I don't think they'll wait that long in this series. So I I have to think the focus is going to be on Donovan Mitchell. And at the same time, like we've also seen a game earlier this season where Luka Doncic went for 60 points against the Knicks, and the Knicks philosophy in that game, and me and Andrew watched it together, and for 47 and a half minutes, it was really good philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Luca, like, Luca's going to get his. We're going to make sure, like, all of his kickout, BS, all that stuff, that's not going to bear fruit. And the Knicks had uh, a... Double digit lead with uh 30 seconds left. Not nine and, and points, we nine ver- points. Almost a double digit nine, lead. nine points, excuse me. Still, nine lead with 30, yeah. thirty seconds left. And we we're all very happy and we don't have to discuss anything else about that game. But like so th- but I think the reason this is different is because like the Cavs, like they I, I, I don't think that philosophy is gonna work as well. I, I'll just say that. I think it's I think they're gonna have to key in on Donovan a little bit more and and feel confident in their other players' ability to handle the other guys on on the offensive end.
1: It, to, to John's point, the, the Knicks' strategy of guarding the, another team's great player with your team, to an extent, has worked, in not in the sense that the guy hasn't gone off, like John's mentioning with this Luka game, but the three times they've played Giannis this year, the yeah. second and third time wasn't... Like they were in the game down the stretch because it was either let Giannis get his or let's create this wall that Giannis can't get through. And if like Joe Ingles and like all these other three point shooters that the the Bucks have just happen to be on that night, then you're good. Um, a thing that I'm looking to pay attention to, which I don't know how much to take from that Friday night game, because while it was nice that the Knicks won and Brunson went off, I'm I'd recognize that Acoro and Allen weren't there and the Knicks were able to get everything at the rim. Because Allen wasn't there, and Jalen Brunson had 48 points because Akoro wasn't there. Now, I don't think like I know the last time we I was here, you guys were like Okoro's. I don't you didn't call him a Brunson stopper, but it was implied that Brunson's life will be made more difficult, which in the times he did play against him, it was. I don't think Brunson's gonna average 48 in the in a series if Okoro doesn't play. I don't think he's gonna average 12 if he does. <laughs> so I think they're (laughs) a famous
2: 36 point swing player, Isaac Okoro.
1: Exactly. You know, but my point being is like, I am curious if the Cavs do decide that, like, the defensive upswing that an Allen and an Okoro bring is enough that we want to keep them on the floor at all times to stop the Knicks. Whereas the biggest. Takeaway I had from that game from a Cavs perspective was like, oh, this is the best spacing that they've probably had all season, you know, because yeah, they don't because they're the going at this. So I'm wondering if the Cavs decide to go with more spacing, are the Knicks able to take advantage of that and shoot nuclear like they did that night? Or is it like to their benefit to have the Cavs go without their three point shooting, which is a benefit to the Knicks and the type of coverage they like to play?
2: Well, for better or worse, Andrew, Isaac okoro has been one of their better three point. Especially quad <laughs> corners, the, believe me, I know. In, in then in the non-Darius yeah, Donnie no division. So uh, you know, uh, ultimately, like I think Isaac is I think Jarrett's gonna play no matter what. I just yeah. don't see any world like the reality is this team has uh five dudes that they really trust right now that are playing good basketball. It's the it's the four, it's the core four um and then karis who has had the best month of uh of his calves career coming into the game and isaac who i think they trust right now but i mean they pulled him you know 10 minutes into a into into two playing games last year yeah. so like i'm not like all the way on jb's just 100 ready to trust the guy but like he just doesn't have enough horses that that like it's not like you put in jetty and you know jetty's gonna hit 50 of his open threes like he it, will it's against not, us yeah well <laughs> but he also had in that second half he had some of the ugliest misses you'll ever see on those open threes so like that's i think true. Um, no he did You're right. so ultimately i think like they're gonna they're gonna play big because that's the identity of the team uh playing those two together um and, and you know i i what i'm very interested you know uh, our our boyfriend cats uh, I thought put Dean Wade a little too high on his importance rankings. I don't think you he think? Had, I don't know if our boy's been watching his push calves the last month because he hasn't he was out of the rotation uh you know two and a half weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh I do think Dean is gonna get a shot. Um, because you know, to the to our point earlier, the the rebounding's just been abysmal. And the lineup data when Dean and one of the bigs is on the floor, or one of the you know, Mobley or Allen is on the floor. It's pretty good. They 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 actually get boards. And when Jetty is playing the four, when Karis is playing the four, like those guys are barely threes. Um, and I I just can't see them playing into that into the Knicks hands that way because what what do the Knicks want? They want to match Jetty Osmond with Josh Hart. Like what a win to give Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, and and I think.
3: So much is made of Jared Allen's impact on the defensive end, but really he moves the needle a lot. Like when you look at the lineup data, he moves the needle a ton on the offensive end because a, a lot of what the Knicks were able to do kind of in that fourth quarter to to limit Donovan Mitchell, like Allen frees them up so much. And and even though he doesn't add three-point spacing, there's still that vertical spacing, right? Like he's a good passer out of the short roll. Um,
2: he's a better, he, better straight-up roll man than Evan Mobley is right now. And
3: also the, yeah. the, the three man action with Garland Mitchell and either Mobley or Allen becomes more effective when the other big is in the dunker spot. And like when, when you're able to, like, you have to pay attention to them. So I think the one out of that mix that, that would kind of be in question would be Isaac Coral, right? Like I think Karis Levert would be the option that they might go to shooting 39% from three this year. and. You, again, you look at the lineup data. Their best lineup on the year is still the core four with Karis Levert, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Karis has been playing a whole lot better since the trade deadline, when his name was, was in almost every single rumor with the Cavs heading up to that deadline, and since then he's been playing playing free. He's been playing with more confidence. So I he's when, shooting the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he's Both actually a volume and shots. Yeah, that that was actually the problem was he was passing, he was playing defense and just wasn't really taking a lot of shots, but now now he is. So I I do think Harris, I in the same way that Josh Hart uh closes games for you guys. I think Harris is likely going to be that fifth guy in a lot of situations unless is just having a great game.
0: I, can I just jump in with two quick things in response to all that? Because you made so many great points. One, just one thing with Cora that I, I do think deserves mention. In the game that he ate Brunson alive, Jericho Sims was starting that game for the Knicks because Mitch Robinson was out and they wanted to keep Hardenstein with the backups. Jericho Sims is a nice player. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's also a second-year player who was the 58th pick in the draft a year ago. And as far as the subtleties of, like, springing your guard with high screens <laughs> like not quite where it's at he, he's not mitch Rob. <laughs> well, well i mean or hardenstein for that matter yeah, yeah. Uh, that, uh, hardenstein's the guy and again this is why i mean there's so many questions about the series but the one you asked i think is probably first for the knicks which is how soon does he go to his bench because there are arguments that like they're better with hardenstein in there they're better with quickly in there that they're better with hard in there so but just to focus real quick on the sims thing um whether it's mitch or hardenstein and I have to think that they have obviously been preparing for what to do when uh, Okoro's is all up in in Brunson's Grill and like the the screen comes. I think the Knicks are going to be more ready for that than they appeared to be in that that third matchup. Um, that's one thing. And then just the last thing, this is more of a general thing, and I, I thought of it as you were talking. I feel like playoff series take on the tenor by you know a long playoff series certainly by maybe game three or game four, is this a series where it's who can figure out how to get buckets in a fourth quarter? That's going to win this game. Or is, or is it a series where it's like, we like, we know how to score on you. You know how to score on us. It's whoever gets a stop in the fourth quarter. And I wonder if that doesn't dictate a little bit of which of these guys for both teams, certainly. Um, But I think especially Cleveland, it it winds up getting the, the big
2: minutes. Man, I love that. I love that take. And I, I think you're hundred percent right. And I, I think, you know, it, it's funny because based on, uh, how the, <laughs> how each team probably wants this series to go, I think the Cavs are like, we'd love to be the, we'd love it to be a figure out who's going to figure out how to get bucket series versus yeah. figure out who's going to get stop series, you know? Um, and, uh, like, I feel like, uh, and I really like that context about Sims because, you know, we're so quick to contextualize our losses right? Like where we go, uh, you know, I, <laughs> <Everybody> I, <did. laughs> yeah, I wanted, I wanted to joke about, uh, uh, our, our friend of the pod, Steve Jones was, uh, threading some, some good stuff about this series. And there was a play where the Knicks got a, got an easy bucket and Ricky, robin and jetty were on the floor together with karis and i forget who else i was like this is a lineup like something has gone so horrifically wrong in in the postseason if we see this five and i wanted to be like well yeah you can throw out that brunson game but like again you can throw you know there are there are mitigating factors on all this stuff in the regular season and that's why it's like so hard to actually evaluate what we're gonna see because as good as okokoro is like I mean Brunson is has been amazing. And to, to your point, uh with the with the playoff experience, he's one of the only players in this series that has had the first wave of adjustments thrown at him where he adjusts yep. and is still great. Uh and, and I feel like that's the thing that we're we have, you know, he and Mitchell are two people who have who have uh you know crossed that threshold. Has can anyone else say that in this series?
3: No. No, no, like that's 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 my biggest question when it comes to Darius Garland. Cause, like, in a vacuum over the course of regular season, and I, I know any Knicks listeners aren't going to like this, like, I do think that Garland is up there in that tier with Jalen Brunson. Like, Garland was the best player on a 44 win team, a team that uh, came, you know, was was close to being the one seed before it got derailed with injuries, averaging 25 and 10, uh, didn't have an all NBA teammate. Like, he's really, really good. But I think Carter brought up the right point, which is, Brunson already has that experience. Like he had the playoff series where people were saying, ah, he's too small. He's not able to make the passes and he knows how to make those adjustments. And that experience really matters. And from the Cavs' perspective, you want Garland to, to be at his best. Cause if he's at his best and he's like making a conversation if the conversation is, oh, who's playing better out Darius Garland and Jalen Brunson, that's a win for the Cavs. This is
2: a fast it, Cavs series. If that's the discussion, right, I would imagine,
3: which on your side, you're hoping the conversation is who's playing better out Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, right? Like you're, you're, because we've seen Jalen Brunson elevate his game to that level as well. And the chess match of this is so interesting to me. And uh, like, it, there's so many trade-offs that these teams can make. And I'm, I'm curious too, like, the Knicks do love to kind of run, you know, the, let's say Randall's in. I think the the games and the discussion's most interesting when Randall's in. Like, when you're running the two-man action with uh, Brunson and Randall, if Okoro's on Brunson and Jared Allen's on Randall or uh, Mobley's on Mitchell Robinson, like, given the versatility of Okoro, Mobley, and Allen defensively, like, do you yeah. think that those kind of bread-and-butter Plays are going to be as effective because the Cavs can either bite through it. So, so they don't automatic they don't auto switch like some teams. But if they do switch and, and you're able to force that switch, it's not really the same kind of advantage that they would normally generate. Like do do you have confidence in the Knicks being able to generate good offense out of those looks?
0: I, I think that's up to Julius Randle and what version of Julius Randle we're going to get. And I'm not talking about health. I I mean it's look it's partially about health. This entire series is about his health but um Randall has shown at times this year the capability of being a very fast decision maker and a good decision maker and when he is on his game in that specific way he's a he's just a load and he's a really tough guy to stop because like i i understand conceptually you're like okay the Cavs are going to be comfortable with that one on one matchup whether it's a coro or allen or mobley switched on to whatever it is um he has a way of drawing the attention of a defense when he gets going and he's in his wheelhouse especially after he hits a couple tough shots
1: we saw that. um yeah, yeah i know <laughs> yeah 30, 36 points in that third game yeah, yeah at the garden
0: he he is a he i mean he's, it's he's a he's a funny guy in that he frightens a lot of nick fans still when he gets going, because Nick fans know when Julius could get into his bone bag too much, that it could go too much in the wrong direction, and I think if you're an opposing fan watching, it could be frightening for a whole different set of reasons. So it's a matter of can he stay locked in? Can he obviously just hit some tough shots? I mean, that's listen, you're an All NBA player. You got You're taking tough shots. You're hitting tough shots. Um, and and if those things go well, and to just to throw it back to what you said a minute ago. If after four games, five games, six games, we're saying okay, between Mitchell Garland, Brunson, Randall, those four have been about even. I think that's advantage Knicks ever so slightly. I think I mm-hmm. could be wrong about that, but I, that's maybe the homer in me coming up.
2: Yeah, I I think that is probably true. Uh, I do think it's worth asking the question because uh, the other duo that has a lot of it, you know, interest to me. Uh, is the Jared Allen-Emmanuel quickly combo Um, because those two feel like the swing guys in a lot of ways Uh, because I think every single Caps fan you ask would tell you Jared Allen is a much superior player to Emmanuel quickly if you were just ranking the players and every single Knicks fan I've heard from is putting quickly above Jared Allen myself included yes yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and you know, I I think like in a lot of ways, those are like you know, I know neither of those guys are you know role players, quote unquote. They're they, they, I think that both of them have graduated out of that uh, that title at this point. They're just more important than that uh, in terms of their volume slash like how integral they are to what each team is doing. But like those feel like the swing guys. Like if, if those top four guys that you just mentioned are drawing drawing dead, I don't think either team is you know, is inherently screwed in that spot, but then that Jared Allen, who who's playing well of that, you know, that third guy on each team, um, third or fourth guy, because uh, by the way, we're not talking about Evan Mobley, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I do think that the, the that like tier two and a half player, which I think both uh, Allen and Quickly right now kind of occupy uh, in terms of where their fans think they are, like I feel like it's going to be a big like is quickly, as good as we think he is for Knicks fans, and is, it's going to be a big, is Jarrett as clearly as, as you know, a top five, six center that we think he is uh, in Cleveland. Carter,
1: right, can I ask you a question? Of course. In the player rankings, would you have Allen? Would you have quickly ahead of Allen, or, or I guess it's obvious, you'd have Allen ahead of quickly, right? I would. Okay, so how blasphemous is it if I don't think the conversation is quickly in Jared Allen, I think it's quickly or Evan Mobley. It's aggressively blasphemous. Okay. Because for me, (laughs) the conversation is when you go to third best players in this series, is it the guy on your team that's taken a defensive leap and is in the all the all defense and defensive player of the year conversation. And it's the guy on our team that throughout this season the more opportunity he's gotten, the more he's run with it and shown he deserves to be getting even more and more. First, it was like, Tibbs, play him more than 12 minutes. How is that? Then it was, <laughs> OK, let's shorten the rotation to nine so that way he can play 20 to 25 minutes a game. Then it was, OK, you cannot survive without him playing 30 minutes a game. Now he's the de facto six starter, which is. I, by the way, is what a sixth man should be, everybody in Boston. And now we're at the point where throughout these portions of the season, when he started, you've wondered, were they better off all season if we had 82 games of Emmanuel quickly starting anyway, that's how high I am on Emmanuel quickly. And how he matches up as far as the pecking order is concerned. I mean, he's never going to guard Evan Mobley. That's not what I'm saying by matching up as far as like our third best guy. Output. Leap. right the, yeah. the, the the leap he's taken this season has me wondering like like it's like for way after this series what contract he's gonna get because he might be coming off a sixth bait of the year campaign but i just that's how high i am yep. on quickly to, to justin that. if
2: i might if i might quickly um po- pose just a, uh, not even a question quickly just a well statement. done yeah, quickly just, do this Go ahead. <laughs> just, just a statement um I'm pretty sure the Cavs uh, were right to start Ev- Evan Mobley all 82 games. So that alone, you know, ultimately
1: every single Nick fan will tell you like the season really restarted on December 5th when they got fourth. rid of well, well, OK, the the end of the first part of the season, John, is December. Oh, you're right. So December 5th is a Sunday. Oh, I love how no, you were December pushing four-
3: back. You were pushing back with a fury, and then you're like, ah, oh, damn it. You're right.
1: So I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> the, the, which the ho- when was the, the Mavs game? The Mavs game was
0: December. I know because I've written it 8,000
3: times. Right.
1: The Mavs
0: game was December 3rd. The Cavs game was December okay, 4th. Okay,
1: so this Cavs, you guys remember this. The Cavs game on December 4th, right? The yeah. Cavs didn't shoot well that night. But... 47
0: travels or
3: whatever yes, it was. Yes, that yeah. was the oh, yeah, record travel The night, the night right? of a 1,000
1: travels, yeah. So that's how you remember it. The way Knicks fans remember it, they went to a nine-man rotation. Derrick Rose was taken out for good. God bless him. Evan Fournier, we haven't seen him really since, other than a couple of spot starts. Cam Reddish, God bless him, playing all the minutes he wants in Portland. And Emmanuel Quickly and this nine-man rotation is on a 56-win pace since then. So as a result of that moment till now, it's a different it's a different look to the team. There's questions going into next season who the starting two guard is, whether it should be Emmanuel Quickly or RJ Barrett slash Quentin Grimes in the rotation. That's how good Quickly's been. Every lineup, every two man lineup that Emmanuel Quickly is in is a positive. Every time he is on the floor, the Knicks are better. And it's why he's the one where we're going just by pecking order and output, as you put Carter. He's the one that gives me any hint of confidence in this series, given that we get a version of Julius Randle that A is healthy and B isn't a pumpkin.
0: I I just want to add just like conceptually, it's for me, a guy and Emmanuel quickly since the all-star break using basketball references uh, usage number has had a 25 usage rate um, in whatever it's been, 20, 20 some odd games, you know, versus Jared Allen, obviously he's not, not that he's like, whatever it is, 15 or 16, um, so if you're a center with that level of usage, you I mean, do you have, do you have to have like a prime Rudy Gobert level impact to be on the same footing as a guy who's efficient and plays really good defense and like has that usage in a, in a quickly, or can you be like a notch below that? Can you be a top three center? Can you be a top four? I don't know. That gets into semantics. The thing that's more interesting to me about quickly in this series is, is he a guy that if the Knicks know that they could repeatedly get let's say Garland on him matched up on him or he like Garland is the one guarding him down the stretch of games that, that it gets to a point where quickly is like, just he's going to cook and they're going to let him cook. And that's how they're, they're going to run their offense, you know, down the stretch of games with a healthy Jalen Brunson and with a healthy Julius Randle, that is a thing that I will, I I might have to see to believe Mm -hmm. because for all of quickly's explosions this year, like the 55-minute 50, uh, 30, what do you have, 38 points 38, in, the Boston, yeah. 38 in the Boston Garden. Like, Jalen Brunson didn't play that game. There have been many other very high-scoring games for uh, Emmanuel Quickly this year. Usually, someone big is out, Whether even if it's just RJ. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if I share. I, I love Emmanuel Quickly just as much as Andrew, to be clear, and every Knick fan. But, like, I don't know if I share the the level of confidence that like emmanuel quick we're gonna look back and like emmanuel quickly will have been the difference i feel in, like quickly is your special
2: boy to quote uh succession
1: uh, I, th- <laughs> I think you guys my I think number guys, one boy oh uh, yeah that's no, i'm good. sorry i'm sorry, I'm good, sorry. Good. Good. he's so uh, good though yeah, yeah I, th- I feel like he's
2: just the kind of player nicks fans have really glommed onto. they and you know just a a, a classic like beloved nick Yep. I said this. I, I I hopped on the Big Neck Energy podcast again. Love that title. Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, I, I said it there, and then maybe I'm sure I'm going to eat my words. I don't think this is a good matchup for Emmanuel Quickly.
1: Mm.
2: I just don't. I think... Oh, why would you put that into the universe?
1: Mm.
3: This is uh, as us. You've it's seen it's the, the shooting luck we've had all season. Listen, Please. Andrew
1: just said hey. him
2: Quickly's going to out. Oh.
1: <laughs> I adding. didn't. Okay, I want you to say quickly is going to outplay
2: Evan Mobley. That, that is so, not what you know. I
1: said. What I said was, it's as far as the pecking order is concerned. The question is, <laughs> it him or Allen? It's him or Mobley? I would probably choose Mobley, but probably, that's the tier that we're on. Probably. Listen, probably.
2: Hold on, watched- let me actually make go my ahead. point instead yeah. of just yelling at me. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I do feel like one of Mob uh, quickly's superpowers is that floater. I think there are a few teams harder to get floaters over in the NBA than the Cavaliers. Mm -hmm. I think, I think he's going to have to add that five to seven degrees of arc that, that takes that shot from like a 50% shot for him, which is a crazy percentage to like a 43, 44% shot. And like, is his pull-up at the level right now where he where he can reliably yes. hit that 15-footer instead of taking those extra steps in? It's, I think we're going to have to see it. Uh, it's happened. this. I, look, we'll see what happens under playoff pressure.
0: But, like, floater range is 4 to 14 feet. Like, it, it's not all 8-foot floaters for him. There's a lot of stuff from the longer part of that range. The thing with Quickly is, like, if Brunson and Randall are both in there, he's... You're not going to get beat over the head with his greatness or anything in these games, but you will find yourself like as the, in big moments be like, man, there's that guy again doing something good for the Knicks, whether it's hitting a big three pointer or drawing a foul or like, you know, beginning of the fourth quarter, maybe Brunson's out, maybe Randall's out, whatever. And it's just like, oh, there's three buckets in three minutes from Emmanuel quickly. like he he just he fills in so many gaps for them. And there's a reason why, Along with Brunson Randall and since they got him, Josh Hart, like quickly is the guy who closes the majority
2: of the games. I, I, I feel like I have some learning to do about Emmanuel quickly, frankly, look. like I, I don't all the way get it, especially on the defensive end where I look at the physical profile and I go, why is he an awesome defender? Oh, you know, like see, that's because I, I feel like I'm gonna learn a lot.
1: It's because point of attack is probably more what it gets focused on. And as we discussed last time, that's not the place he's the most impactful. It's passing lanes, it's being a help defender, it's like, some of the more impact metrics are high on him because of the little things he does. Like, he's one of the better rebounding guards in the league. Like, that's the thing John's talking about. It's like, there, I mean, yo, quickly, just got a seventh rebound of the game. Whoa, yeah. what do you know? Like, he fits what the Knicks profile is. The other thing is, aside from like him being a, a floater god, um, he's also been so much better. The more opportunity he's gotten finishing with contact. And look, I have no idea what whistle we're going to get in this series. Will there be a Madison Square Garden edge? I know that the whistle is going to be important. Right. Man. So as yeah. a result, Emmanuel quickly has benefited from a good whistle at times this season. And if he if the Knicks are getting a whistle, Emmanuel quickly will be able to take advantage of it. So, yeah, there's there's plenty of angles that he can be impactful from.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I feel like we're both we're all going to learn a lot about each other's players. And like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll even say like, I, I think Darius Garland's a, a better defender than you're giving him credit for too. Like if you go oh, by, side, uh, probably. if you go by EPM uh, in terms of guards in the series, Emmanuel quickly is number one uh, among all guards. No real surprise. there. Uh 93rd percentile. Darius Garland's number two uh, at 80%, a uh, 80 percentile. Right. So he, he's done a good job sticking with guys. I think there are still situations where length is going to bother him. We're we're going to find out because, like, it, it's interesting, Carter, that you went IQ versus Allen because in so much of the discourse that I've consumed already to this point, it's, is Jared Allen and Mitchell Robinson a push? Or, or can uh, Jared Allen and uh, Isaiah Hardenstein, is that going to be a push for the series? And I've all, also heard, like, is Emmanuel quickly and Darius Garland going to be a push? And if those questions are as mm. ridiculous as we feel they are, I feel like it benefits the Cavs. And uh, like I said earlier, is Darius Garland and Jalen Brunson going to be the conversation? If that's the case, it's going to be a, a good series for the Cavs in all likelihood. So I'm I'm really interested to to hear and and see how this all
2: kind of shakes out. By the do, way, do you guys? Oh, i right oh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask. Just, do you guys agree that this is like the highest variance series on the board for the postseason right now in terms of like. I just feel like the top, it, it, you know, the the way you might rank the best players in the series versus the way that they might end up being ranked over the, by the end of five, six, seven games, like could be so disparate. Like, I, I just feel like, you know, like no one in a vacuum is picking Mitchell Robinson over Jared Allen, but Jared Allen might draw dead or, you know, Mitchell Robinson might outplay him a few games,
3: yeah. uh, you know, I mean, 14 rebounds, might, uh, offensive rebounds in, in yeah, a game. Right. Quick, and and completely quickly might outplay
2: them. Garland. Garland might play, outplay Brunson. Brunson yeah. might outplay Mitchell. Like, all, <laughs> like, like this is just so not a, uh, some of their parts series to me because like, like it, it almost feels irrelevant because of the way, you know, the, the, the floor and ceiling for each of these teams is, is really, really quite disparate. And I, to that end like even though it, we're going to get to predictions soon even though my pick is a relatively confident um Cavs one <laughs> it doesn't really reflect m- my confidence that the Cavs will 100% get to that outcome uh whereas I think other series are a little more cut and dry the only
0: reason I'll disagree with calling it a high variance series is because I think these two certainly the Knicks and from what I could gather about the Cavs they know exactly who they are. Mm. They know what they want to do on every possession. And this has been said by people far smarter than me. So I'm parroting, parroting all of them, but like watching them night in and night out, like the night, the best thing for me personally about being a Knicks fan and watching the season is after so many years of watching a team where not only were they bad, it's like, they didn't even know what they wanted to be to be good. Like this Spider-Man. team. Knows, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this team knows exactly what it wants to be on every, every pos- a possession and with very few exceptions they mostly execute on that on that intent so and i think the calves are the, are the same way so from that perspective i don't like but but what would you also say it also makes a lot of sense so yeah <laughs> i
1: think the 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 high variance of it in the sense of like could we be redoing our list at the end of this and it's like wow i was wrong like quickly's now seventh behind like 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 all these other guys that Carter had mentioned or to the opposite end, like, wow, like quickly might actually be fourth in in the pecking order on this. I I don't think we'll get to that point. I think we'll still be pretty confident in the sense that like the the rankings are what they are. And I don't mean to be clear, I don't mean reevaluating
2: who these guys are as players, but just in terms of who played best over the course of a series. I sure. yeah.
1: but it, see the tough part about evaluating all of this. It's been the number one question we've had this week, John. What are you getting out of Julius Randle? It's it's the simple, yeah. the simple, obvious it's, big question. It's more than that. I
0: think for, for me, pers- it is the yes, the entire series is built around. What are you getting out of Julius Randle? It is probably going to decide the series. That being said, this Nick team. And this is something I think is very different from Cleveland. And this is where the teams are not in the same camp. This, I mean, barring something crazy, I would think you guys are going to go into next season with the same, at the very least, the same top four mm-hmm. as you have now. The Knicks are going to face a summer in which I have a funny feeling there is going to be opportunities to perhaps make the the big addition that they did not make last year because dot, reasons, dot, dot, yeah, reasons. Um, if and, they're sitting on a stockpile of picks with a lot of depth. This is yeah. when you consolidate, yeah, and like. If, you know, if like like we're talking about, if Emmanuel quickly comes out of the series, is like, oh, my God, Emmanuel was the best player on the floor two games in that in that six game Knicks win. Um, how does that impact things? Like if if Julius reverts back to what he was against Atlanta two years ago and we it is very obviously not based on a health thing, although I don't even know how we would make that distinction like that opens another door. So, like, I think they're like RJ. Got, I mean, man, the things that are at stake for that player. In this series, like there's so much of that stuff, I think, at stake. So that that is why I do think it is a very very, I don't want to say pivotal series, but it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Yeah, and, and John, you're being dishonest.
3: You, you know how people are going to make the distinction on whether Julius's play <laughs> is due to health or performance, and that's oh going gosh. to be confirmation bias. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's whatever their opinion was going in. Th- that is how basketball discourse goes. But yep, you know what? We've yeah. taken up enough of your time, guys. Let's get to predictions before we wrap this thing up. Mm. Andrew, let's go right to left here. I'll start with you. What's your prediction for this series?
1: As of right now, without knowing the status of Julius Randle or the the health, um, or just really what we're gonna get from him this series, um, I've been at Cavs in six. Uh, if Randle, look, if Randle plays, I I probably will switch to Knicks in seven. the The idea of the Knicks winning a road game seven, as good of a road team as they've been, and if Julius is getting healthier and healthier as the season goes along, as the series goes along, and then you add in like the physicality that he can bring to a series, which I think will be a Knicks strength. I think they can win the series. If they can't and we're in game three and he's playing 12 minutes and clearly can't give it a go, then, yeah, I think the, the Cavs will out-talent the Knicks. But that it, it's a cop-out to give you two predictions, but I'll say Cavs in six for now. And then with the caveat that if Randall plays, I'll go Knicks in seven. All right, John, I don't know
0: how many predictions you want to give, but
1: go, give go us, ahead. Give all of them, John, yes. <laughs>
0: I think it's going at least six. I would probably bet on it going seven more than more than I would bet on it going six. And man, you guys are so freaking good. Um, <laughs> you are. You're just a really good. You're just a really good team. Uh, but I also do think that there is something special about this Knicks team, and in particular, something very special about Jalen Brunson. Uh, so I'll go Knicks and seven.
1: Mm. Cool,
2: starter uh i'm going Cavs in five Ooh. um that's Ooh. been that's been my that's been my take since uh the series uh started again that doesn't reflect you know that that's a plurality opinion uh <laughs> you know i don't think it's uh i don't think if the if the series play is played a hundred times the Cavs win in five eighty of them <laughs> you know like i don't think that i think it's I think, you know, each outcome has like a, you know, a 20% chance of happening uh, to the, to my point about high variance. But like, I just keep going back to the fact that I think the Cavs have four of the best six players in this series. And I have, I think they have two of the best three. Mm -hmm. Okay, If I think that, how can I not, you know, like, uh, how can I not pick? Tabs uh and how can I not pick them in a relatively short series? But again, I just know that there's so much variance at stake here. And I know that there are so many players who are about to, you know, go into true battle for the first time. You don't really know who players are until their first and second things they like to do are taken away. And um, so you know, again, I think I think a Knicks victory is like not unfeasible. I just think that, especially if Randall takes a minute to get his feet under him. The Cavs have, uh, they just uh, they should they should out talent them and and if the Knicks were more experienced than they are, I think I would feel a little bit more confident in in the Knicks, you know, pushing this and you know, potentially taking this series. But like, if I don't think they're more talented, and I don't think they're more healthy, and I don't think they're more experienced, you know, what am I doing here? I, I'm going Cavs in five. All righty. And I'm, I might be wrong. Might be loud wrong. We'll find yeah. out. I you will you, hear
1: from it. Yes, you will yes, find you out. You will hear. You will hear.
3: <laughs> uh, we we know where that's going to end up on the chart. Um, I'm going to go Kaz in six. Um, and part of that reason is, like, yes, the Knicks don't have, like, tons more playoff experience. But I do think, like, Kaz starting lineup, average age of 23. Like, I just feel like there's going to be times where they get rushed. And and I can see Evan Mobley in particular. We've seen him have first halves where he's playing maybe 25% too quick and, um, you know, leaving uh, the the little hook shots are going long. Uh, Darius Garland, how he's going to react to this moment and all that. I just, I feel confident in the Cavs, but I I feel like there's going to be a game that the Knicks win and there's going to be a game where the Cavs beat themselves. And um, maybe some of that is just, as a result of seeing what we've seen uh, throughout the season in, in clutch time, where they have had some of these hiccups where uh, out of an abundance of caution to, you know, value every possession in an important game, Mitchell or Garland run the clock down to six seconds before they start initiating the offense and make New York's life a uh, much, much easier on the defensive end. Right. Like I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes, uh, but I, I think, I forget what the stat was exactly. I think it is that the number four seed beats the number five seed fifty-two percent of the time. And this, <laughs> feel, this feels like the most four-five matchup ever. Like these teams are both so good. I think they're better than a, a normal four-five matchup. I think they are. Th- yeah. This is going to be like the matchup of the first round. And um, I'm like I, yeah. honestly, I am a little disappointed that there is the Randall injury because I, like you said, John, like the. Cavs blueprint as much as some people are going to make a big deal out of this and oh if they lose like you you gotta fire everyone and trade everyone that's not the way that this is going to play out right like there is more of a foundation we know what this team's going to be moving forward and for that reason i want to see them tested i want to see them problem solve i want to see the adjustments right there, there's not a the the blueprint isn't on the line in in any way, shape, or form. But I, I do feel confident uh, with the Cavs in this series. And the Randall injury obviously impacts
2: that. He's, a, he's an all-NBA talent. Justin, can I quickly press on you here? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm really surprised you have the Cavs closing out a series on the road, given that this team's clutch problems on the road this year. Because I think they're Um, better
3: than the road. Uh, I think they're better than their record on the road there. I think they're third in road net rating. I think they're better on the road than they are, than the record indicates.
1: See, that's why real quick Carter, this is why I was like Cavs in six. If I was going to pick the Cavs, anything because the Knicks resiliency on the road has been a thing. And oh boy, have there been some clunkers. They're mediocre at home. That's the the the, weird thing. The best part about this season is like, there's been so many like, dang, they could have had that one at MSG this season. And how many times, John, have we been sitting here and it's like, oh, what this record would have been if this bounce or this rebound or this free throw. And, uh, you know, a lot of those moments have happened at home. Um, I'm just also going to now in solidarity with John jumping all, all the way and just fully make my pick Nixon seven because I cannot okay, well, have now, it. That... Now
3: if you got three picks, no. I'm giving a second. I'll say There that, you, wow. go. If there the you Cavs, go.
1: If the Cavs win
3: game one and two, I, I said this on the previous podcast, but game two is the game I'm most confident in. Game one, just because of the layoff and, and just because of uh, the inexperience uh, on the Cavs side, I think that's a toss-up. Cavs win game one and two, Cavs in five, baby. Cavs in I,
2: five. I, okay. Uh, my last word. You owed me. You 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 went whoa. <laughs> Oh, like I'm making some big bold statement, and <laughs> then you pivot at the
3: eleventh <laughs> hour. Hey, that, that's my second pick, though. I mean, going cast five on your first pick, Carter. That that carries a little bit of gravitas. That but well, you got to uh,
1: mix in two picks on your first pick, guys. That's why I'm you know, not that's how you got to do it. I'm this not is, making it. This I'm, is
2: slop. This <laughs> is slop out of out of this my two. Slop out of my two peers on the outside of this conversation uh and 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 I don't respect it. i mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I'm, I'm not making
1: got. a
0: second pick. I just I to say you one dare. last thing. But <laughs> no, I will not do that. I I will say one last thing. You someone j- just now said that they're I think maybe Justin you said you're confident. I'm not confident in saying the Knicks are going to win the series. The only thing that does give me a little bit of confidence though, a little bit is I know that in Josh Hart in Emmanuel quickly. And again, I'll go back to the well in Jalen Brunson. Um, the Knicks are going to have three players who are without question, not afraid of the moment. And I don't think Julius Randles, if he's, if he's in there, is going to be afraid of the moment either. Not to say he's going to execute in the big moment. <laughs> That's two different things. But
1: um, that gives me confidence a little bit. That's the last thing I'll say. Every <laughs> single time we've been waiting for this shoe to drop. I, I said it earlier. Every single time I was like, yeah. Oh, here this this Orlando moment where Julius and quickly got into it. We were wondering if we should start planning play in coverage. Yeah, and we were. they didn't lose for the next five games and like walked into the five seed. So yeah, this this it's unquantifiable. You can't really find it on dunks and threes, but this this team's special in in a way. They've they've overachieved and surprised us all season, and so we're we're done doubting them in that sense. You know. Well, uh, on that note, I'm going
3: to wrap this thing up before anyone else gives another prediction. We, we just <laughs> we just can't risk it. I, I do think that these Please. are two. I do think these are two special teams. I think these are teams that are set up well for future success. I think this is set up well for a future rivalry, and I think uh, if there are future editions of this playoff series, I think it's going to happen later than the first round and i I feel pretty confident saying that so um, i'm looking forward to uh you guys being uh that thorn on our side and and hopefully we can have more of these podcasts and hopefully uh round one of it it leads to a little bit of bragging from Carter and myself. That, that's, that's what I'm really hoping for here. Okay? Cavs in five, baby. Let's just do it. Let, uh, let's just rip <laughs> out the Band-Aid. Three predictions, Carter. Two of them are the same. Don't you dare shake your head. Big thanks I'm to disgusted. everyone. <laughs> Big thanks to everyone tuning in live on YouTube. We really do appreciate you guys. Make sure you like and subscribe. Click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast and you want to support us, leave us a rating. We review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpot at gmail.com. However, you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go Cats.